Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. We're in a series where we're talking about the keys of the kingdom. And we're talking about keys that the Lord wants to give you. And today I want to continue on that. But you know, I was so happy for last week that it got me thinking, I really haven't told them a joke in a while. So I think you've earned the joke, right? I think you've earned it. It's been months since I've told one. And uh, if, if you're new, you're like, well, why do you tell a joke? Well, because laughing puts our guard down. Amen. And I, I believe that happy families laugh. And we are a spiritual family. Amen. So, so here it is before we jump into today's message. The, the, the joke says that a lawyer and a really elderly man were on a flight together and it was a really long flight the lawyer thought that he was so much more intelligent than the elderly man and that he can win one over him so the lawyer woke the elderly man who was comfortably napping and he said hey I want to invite you to play a game with me the elderly man said you know what I'm not interested thank you so much and he went back to sleep The lawyer didn't give up, so he woke him up again and he said, come on, it's going to be really fun. In fact, I'll ask you a question, and if if you can answer it, if you can't answer it, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you can't answer it, you give me $5. And then you could ask me a question, and if I can't answer it, I'm going to give you $500. So the elderly man got intrigued by it, right? And he said, all right, let's do this. So the lawyer goes first and he says, what is the distance from the earth to the moon? The senior looks at him and reaches into his pocket, brings out a $5 bill and he hands it to him. The senior goes, well, now it's my turn. And he says to the lawyer, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four legs? The lawyer looks at him and He begins to question and the elderly man says, I'll give you an hour to answer the question. He goes back to sleep. So the lawyer begins to Google what goes up a hill with three legs and comes back with four. And he can't find anything. He's texting some friends. He's asking around and there's no answer. So he finally gives up. He wakes up the senior and he says, all right, I give up. I don't know what the answer is. So he takes $500 from his wallet and he gives it to the elderly man. The elderly man takes the 500 bucks and he goes right back to sleep. The lawyer is so bothered and intrigued that he wakes him up and he says, all right, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? The elderly man reaches into his pocket, pulls out $5 and he hands it to him. (laughs) Lord, we thank you this morning for your wonderful presence in this place. You are so awesome and beautiful, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. You know, growing up with my parents, we always lived in apartments. It was just part of our upbringing, and uh, one of the desires of my heart was to one day, when I had kids, 
to be able to live in a home, to be able to live in a house. And uh, when, when I came to Spring after a few years, uh, at that time, I, I, I was an illegal person in this country. And so I didn't have my social security or my permit to work. And, uh, but, but I really wanted to serve the Lord. So at that time, Pastor Frank and Ann said, well, you know what? The law's permitted. And one of the things that we could do for you is that you could come and work at the church, but we can't pay you. But the church has a home where you can live and that could be kind of your salary. So I wanted to be in ministry so bad and we wanted to live in a house so much that, that we said, all right, let's do it. We'll figure out how we make money to eat, but at least we'll have a roof over our heads. And I really wanted to live in a home because, you know, one of my things was if I'm going to have kids, I don't want the manager telling me that they're too loud or the neighbor bumping the broom because they're making too much noise. I wanted them to be able to run because there's this just beauty about having your own home. It's kind of like your own kingdom, right? You rule, you have freedom, you know, and it was wonderful. And up to this day, that is still where we live. And I love it. I love it when, when, when couples or families are able to purchase their homes and they take pictures with it. In fact, I want to show you two pictures of some individuals in our church. And the first one is uh, um, Wendy and Joseph. And this is a picture they took when they bought their home in Palmdale, I believe, last year or so, right? And I loved it. I thought it was so cool. They, they, they got their own home. I want to show you another one. Look at this next beautiful, wonderful home. Um, this home belongs to Damien and Rosa. Right? And uh, go to the next one. This is them walking into the home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful. And I pray that one day all of you would be able to experience that. That you would be able to own your own home. And if you're ever interested in buying a home, Commander Rudy sells home and he'll give you a really good deal. Amen. And I, and I, and I love it. I love it when couples will take a picture with the keys and that feeling of getting the keys to a home is, is wonderful, right? Because you get to establish your own kingdom. Well, I want to tell you that there's other keys that are available for you that are of greater impact of greater meaning, of superior life-changing power. And those are the keys of the kingdom of God. And I hope we all, although I heard recently that in California, California is the state with the, where people own homes the least. Did you know that? They say that if you're under 40, you'll never own a home in California. So, but, but that's what the world says. God has other plans, right? So I hope we all can enjoy the, the, that experience of uh, owning our own home. But if you don't, you can still have the keys to the kingdom. Because Jesus offers them to us. And look at what Matthew 16, 19 says right there in your outline. Let me prove that to you. Jesus speaking says... And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Look at this. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden what? In heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The keys of the kingdom of God that Jesus offers us represent privilege, authority, access, power. 
It is authority. It is power. It is access. That, and it is, it is so significant that Jesus says, whatever you forbid here on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever's forbidden in heaven will be forbidden here. Now, let me tell you how important it is that Jesus would say to you and to me that he is giving us the keys to the kingdom. Let me tell you how important that is. Let's begin with Adam. If you recall the story in Genesis, it says that God, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them authority. He gave them power. He gave them rule over all creation. Adam and Eve had the power and the authority over all creation. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they transferred that power over to the enemy. And now that power belonged to Satan. And so much so that when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert, look at what he told them. It's right there in your outlines in Luke 4, 5, and 6. This is Satan speaking to Jesus. Look at what he says. He says, then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world. In other words, all the authority, all the power, the access to them, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And look at what he says. This is so awesome. I don't know if you have noticed this. Satan speaking to Jesus says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority. What does he offer Jesus? Authority over the kingdoms of the world. But God had given that authority and that power to Adam and Eve. But they had had forfeited it when they sinned. And now Satan is in front of Jesus and he says, hey, if you worship me, I'll give you the glory and the authority of these kingdoms. And look at what he says, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you what? Worship me. Now, we know that Jesus didn't worship him, but he still took the keys, and he took the authority of the kingdoms of this world because he lived an innocent life and he died an innocent death and he defeated the grave. And through Jesus, now authority has been given back to the rightful place. And that is why before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said the following in Matthew 28, 19, 18 and 19. Look at what he says. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given what? Me. To me. So what does Jesus say? Therefore, go. He says, I am sending you. I have the authority. I have the power. So when God, when Jesus says, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom, I want you to know that, that, that it matters, that it is important, that it has been central to the human existence and to our relationship with God. Now, that explains the importance of the kingdom. Now, sometimes in our Christian lingo, in our Christian vocabulary, we use words that we assume everybody understands. Words like amen. Words like blessing or words like glory or anointing or tithing. So I want you to know, I want you to understand what is meant when we talk about the kingdom of God. Because if we're going to spend some weeks talking about the keys to the kingdom, you need to know what the kingdom is, right? And here it is. I'm going to give it to you in simple terms and then I'll explain it a little bit further. The kingdom of God 
is the government of God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking about his power, his authority, his rule, and his domain. And the kingdom of God is not limited to a geographical location. Now, think about this. In order for there to be a kingdom, there needs to be a king. And we know that God is king of kings and Lord of lords. So the kingdom of God is the government of God. It is God ruling. It is God governing. It is, it is things happening the way God wants them to because he has the authority and the power to do such things. Now, the kingdom of God was central to the message of Jesus. Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of God had arrived. In fact, in the Gospels, you will find the expression the kingdom of God or the term the kingdom of God over a hundred times. And Jesus, that was the message of Jesus. Now the Bible says that the kingdom of God had come, right? Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of God has come. But the Bible also speaks about the kingdom of God coming. So Pastor Nestor, which one is it? Has the kingdom of God, has the rule, has the government of God come or is it coming? Both. Yes. The government of God, the kingdom of God has come and he rules through the hearts of his followers. But the day is coming when Jesus will literally rule this earth. And the whole earth will bow down and recognize Jesus as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So the kingdom of God has come. There is God already rules through his people, but there will be a day when the full glory, when the full power of his government and his domain will be displayed. Now, here's the other thing about the kingdom of God. Most Christians, most church people, when they hear about the kingdom of God, they think that the kingdom of God means salvation or heaven. The kingdom of God is heaven. The kingdom of God is being saved. And they're not wrong because look at what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 5. He says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. So yes, it is true that the kingdom of God does refer to salvation, does refer to heaven. But not just to that. The kingdom of God also means entering a new life here on earth. Did you hear me? The kingdom of God is not about the afterlife only. The kingdom of God is about experiencing that power, that glory, that authority, that rule, that presence of God here on earth. Amen. Let me tell you something. God's best for you and for me is in heaven. That's why we keep our hope and we keep our eyes on heaven. Because all of God's best, all of God's promises will be fulfilled for us in heaven. But, 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 but we would make a great mistake to think that God has only saved the good stuff for heaven. Because he hasn't. 
There is glory, there is power, there is victory, there is his presence that God wants you to experience here on earth. He wants his kingdom to impact your everyday life. He wants his his kingdom to impact your, your, your everyday decisions. And the kingdom of God Yes, it's salvation. Yes, it is, it is entering heaven, but it's also bringing heaven down to earth while we live here. To experience who God is, to experience his rule, to experience his power into our lives. So let me say it this way. The kingdom of God is introducing people to the love, to the power, and to the salvation of God into their lives. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God. Seek, seek that people would experience my power. Seek that people would experience my love. Seek that people would experience my freedom. And he says, when you do that, he says, everything else will be given to you. So the kingdom of God is the rule of God. But here's, here's the thing. He invites us to rule together with him. That's why Jesus gives us these keys. He says, I want to work together with you to bring about my kingdom, to expand my kingdom so that where there's chaos, you can bring peace. So that where there's darkness, you could bring light. Where there's, where there's chains, you could bring freedom. Where there's confusion, you could bring truth. And he says, I want you to seek and I want you to work with me to establish my kingdom here on earth. So we've been talking about those keys and we're going to continue to talk about them. Last week, we talked about the first key of the kingdom of God. And that is the key of life. That is that through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we can live. And yes, we live spiritually, but we can also live better in, our, in this life. The second key that I want to talk to you about today, you ready for this? Would you elbow the person sleeping next to you and tell him he, he's almost done? The second key... The second key to the kingdom is the key of the word of God. The second key of the kingdom is this book right here. The word of God. I want to prove that to you because we're going to look at a parable in the gospels. And it's the parable of the seed and the sower. And as Jesus tells that that parable, and we're going to look at it in just a minute. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 8, verses 9 and 10. It's right there in your outline. Look at what he says. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand what? The secrets of the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. That's why the secular world calls us and considers us crazies and radicals. Because the kingdom of God doesn't make sense to them. But Jesus said, but you, you have been permitted to understand, to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. 
That's why to somebody that doesn't have Jesus, giving 10% of your money to the church, you're crazy. You live in California. You can't afford to do that. That's why to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, going to church on Sunday mornings at 9.30 is ludicrous. I mean, you work hard all day. You deserve to wake up late and watch football on Sunday because the secrets of the kingdom have been hidden from them. But to you and I, that our eyes have been opened, that, that our spirit has been brought alive, that our mind has been, that we have the mind of Christ, we understand these things. Amen. Amen. You follow with me? I thought you would be more excited than that, but, but hopefully you'll get it. I think I'm preaching better than you're listening. All right. All right. Here we go. Verse 10, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Look at this. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't really understand. Here's what I want you to know. The keys or the secrets of the kingdom are available to us. And here's the wonderful part. You may be saying, well, why would I want the keys to the kingdom? Why would I want to collaborate with Jesus to expand his government? Well, here's why. Because the keys of the kingdom will make us people of impact. I don't know about you. I want my life to matter. I don't just want to exist. I want to make a difference. When I die, nobody's going to be allowed to say he was a good person. Because that's what they say about. Thank you. But if I want my life to make a difference, I got to live in such a way. And nothing will help me make a bigger impact than the keys of the kingdom of God. Specifically and specially the key of the word of God. Do you want your life to make a difference? Well, then you need the word of God. We're going to look at a parable. And in the parable, Jesus, parables are stories that Jesus told that had a profound meaning, a life lesson, a kingdom principle behind it. And in this parable, Jesus says that a, that the certain man went out and he threw seed along four paths. The first was by the road. The second one was on, on thorny uh, uh, soil. The, 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 the fourth one was on good soil. And the, the, the seed, the seed represents the word of God. The different soils, listen to this, represents the heart or the life of every individual. Right. So as we look at these four soils, you have to ask yourself, what kind of soil am I? Am I hard? Am I shallow? Am I rocky? Or am I good soil? And listen to me, the better of a soil you are, the more of an impact the word of God will make in your life and the more of an impact your life will make in others. Do you understand that? Look at what Luke 8.15 says. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents honest Good-hearted people who hear the word, who hear God's word, cling to it and patiently produce what? A huge harvest. 
They have a huge impact. The good soil represents good hearts, represents the right people who receive God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a great impact. You want to be a person of impact? Well, this parable tells us the progression that we can take to go from no impact to a life of great impact. You ready for it? Number one, let me give you the, let's look at the four soils and we'll look at the four ways that you can walk down to be able to become a person of impact. Number one, to be a person of impact, you got to hear the word. You got to hear the word. If the word is what makes us people of impact, we first begin by hearing the word. Luke 8, 12, let's look at the first type of soil. The seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being what? Saved. If we are going to be people of impact, we got to begin by hearing the word of God. Listen to me, church. That's why it's important for you to be here every Sunday. To hear the word of God because the mere fact that you are hearing the word of God is going to have an impact in your life. I got to tell you, I know some of you may get mad at me and it's all right because I'm mad at you too. (laughs) But I cannot understand how you could come one day and then disappear for two, three Sundays. What kind of soil are you? See, this first soil didn't have great impact because the enemy came to snatch. And you know why the enemy can snatch God's word from you? Because you don't get enough of God's word. Because people will come one Sunday, but they watch 50 Netflix movies in a month, so they have more junk in their heart than they have the word of God. Come on, I think I'm preaching better than you're listening. You want to be a person of impact? You got to hear God's word. That's why you got to get in the life group. That's why you got to have a devotional life. Because as the word of God gets in you, it will make an impact in you. The word of God has kept me from doing foolish things. Like lending people to money who asked me to co-sign for them. No, the Bible says that you shouldn't. Not because you're mean, but because it's foolish. It's helped me to raise my kids. It's helped me in my marriage. It's helped me in my personal, emotional, mental health life. And if, you're, and if you want to become a person of impact, you begin by getting God's word in you, by hearing it as much as possible. If you don't have a personal devotional plan, you got to get one. Can I tell you something? I would love to tell you that that a day doesn't go by where I don't get in my word. I would lie to you if I told you that I read the word of God every day. Because I don't. For example, yesterday, if I'm honest with you, I completely forgot. But Monday through Friday, every day I did. And I tell you that to tell you that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be intentional. And you have to be consistent, yes. 
So you got to hear the word of God. Amen. You with me? Number two, to be a person of impact, we first hear the word of God and then we need to know the word. We hear it and then we have to know it. Look at what Luke 8.13 says about the second type of soil. It says the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have what? Deep roots. They believe it for a while, then they fall away when they face what? Temptations. The impact begins by hearing, but then we got to know it. We got to memorize God's word. We got to be able to teach it to others. We got to be able to share it with others. Because the second soil represents people who hear it, but they don't have deep roots. Can I tell you what's one of the most dangerous thing, in my opinion, that is happening in, in, the, in the church in our days? That we got a lot of people who believe things that don't know why they believe what they believe. They know they believe in a resurrected Christ, but they couldn't explain why they believe. They don't know. They just believe, but they don't know why. Paul says that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have to anyone who asks. And yes, we hear the word of God, but then we need to know the word of God. We need to understand it. We need to not just get it in our ears, but we got to get it in our hearts and we got to get it in our heads. And say, listen, I can't explain all the seals in the book of Revelations, but I could explain to you why Jesus was the perfect lamp. To be able to say, I couldn't explain to you what kind of fish swallowed up Jonah, but I could explain to you why I believe the word of God is it's the inspired, infallible word of God. We got to know it. We got to know it. And, and before you say, oh, I'm just not good at reading. I'm just not good at learning. You're lying. Because you can memorize songs. You, you. Did you know that you know so much useless information? A lot of you know the names of all the dwarfs. Right? So you got to know the word of God. Listen, if you're saying, Pastor, I've tried reading the word and I just can't get it. 90% of the time when people tell me that, they're using a Bible translation that they don't understand. I know Manolo likes King James. He's old. Let's let him keep the old King James, right? But get yourself a new living translation. Get yourself an NIV. Get yourself a version that you understand. If you understand old King James, go for it. Go for it. Just make sure you talk that way too, okay, when you talk to us. And if you say, if you say, Pastor, I still have a hard time. Did you know we have a wonderful Bible teacher every Sunday here at 8 a.m.? If you are not growing in your knowledge of the word of God, it's because you don't want to. So we hear the word, we know the word, and then the third thing that we do is that we believe the word. We got to believe the word. Look at the third soil. In Luke 8, 14, Jesus says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is what? 
crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this world. And so they never grow into what? Maturity. We hear it. We know it. But then we need to believe it. You know when you, when you can know what you truly believe? In difficult times. In inconvenient times. When doing the right thing, when clinging on to God's promises is a lot harder than doing it yourself. You know what's one of the problems that we often have? Is that we're double-minded as, as believers. We have opinions. Well, we have options, I'm sorry. Do I wait on God or do I take those extra hours and do it myself? Do I wait on God? Do I trust on God? Or do I throw myself out there to try to make it happen myself? The cares, the riches of this world. If I may add, the American dream often choke out the word of God in the life of people. I remember hearing a story about a man who in a tragic accident lost one of his arms. After a few years, he was so devastated by it that he didn't do much with his life. One day he snapped out of it and he said, I lost an arm, not my life. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to do something meaningful with my life. So he wanted to take on a sport. And with one arm, well, you're limited to the sports you could take. So he settled for, um, what's that sport, Ernie? Handball. He settled for handball. He became so good at it that he started beating everybody in the park. And then he went into competitions and he started winning those competitions. And then he, he became the city champ and the, and the state champ. And he made it all the way to nationals. And he won. He won nationals at Hemba. When they interviewed him, they asked him, they asked him, excuse me, how is it that you being an individual with one arm can beat people that have two arms? And he said, easy. Options. He said, the people that have two arms, when they see the ball coming, they have to think about what arm they're going to hit the ball with. I don't. What if as Christians, we only had one arm, the arm of faith? Where it wasn't about, do I trust God or do I do it on my own? Do I wait on God or do I go on my own? See, I think we ought to be like that man and say, when trouble comes, God's my defense. When blessings come, God is my focus. When things get tough, God is still my desire. Options sometimes can be a negative thing. So we hear the word, we know the word, but then we got to believe the word. And the last, the last step is to apply the word. Would you fill that out? We hear it, we know it, we believe it, and then we got to move to applying the word of God. Now, now listen to this. We're going to read the passage in just, a, in just a minute. The impact of the seed in all the other three soils was non-existent, temporary, or limited. Did you hear that? The impact of the word in all the other three soils was non-existent, limited, or temporary. But look at the impact that the word had on the fourth soil. Look, look at verse 15. 
It says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce what? A huge harvest. So we hear the word, we know the word, we believe the word, but the true blessing is in applying the word. It's not just saying, well, I've heard about that. I understand that. I believe that. But then we got to move into applying the word. If we hear that we are to tell people about Christ and we understand why we ought to tell people about Christ and we believe that we should tell people about Christ, but if we don't, what good is it? The power of impact comes in the application. And let me tell you something. Do you know why there's so many defeated Christians today? Not because they don't know. Not because they don't understand. Not because they don't believe. But because they are not applying the word of God. Because the word of God, in the word of God, is where the impact happens. When you and I apply it into our lives and we say, well, the word of God says that this is the way I should take. The word of God says that this is the attitude that I should have. The word of God says that this is the way I ought to behave. And when you apply that, let me tell you, the word of God begins to make an impact in you, then it begins to change you. And not only does it change you, but you ready for this? It'll impact the people around you. We all know non-Christians who say, I don't want to go to church because they have a family member that lives worse than they lived. Because they have not applied the word of God into their lives. And their life has not produced the change that they ought to produce so that that can be attractive to others. Can you imagine with me? Can you imagine with me if we not only heard the word of God, but if we knew the word of God and if we believe the word of God, but most importantly, if we applied it, can you imagine the change that it would cause in every single one of us? Can you imagine that the change that the word of God makes in our lives would make into other people? I think it would be exponential. You know why I believe that? Because that's what Luke tells us in his narrative of this same parable. Look at what, uh, uh, look at what Mark, I'm sorry. Look at what Mark 4, 8 says. It says, still other seed fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop, listen to this, that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. Mark says that the person that becomes good soil can have an impact that is 30, 60, and even 100 times that seed. Can I tell you something? There's nothing special about me. The only special thing about me is God. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I am the best looking person in the room, but not the smartest one. But if you say, Pastor Nestor, how can you stand up there and do what you do? How could you lead the way that you lead? The word of God in me. It's God in me. And let me tell you, I believe that my kids will do greater things than I, than I, than I can accomplish. But I want to tell you that so can you. 
that if you just get God's word in you, that if you let it impact your life, it will make you a person of impact. And your life will make a difference. Not just to entertain, not just to be attractive, but to be a blessing and to make a difference in the life of people. So let me ask you one one more time. Do you want your life to matter? Do you want your life to make, to be of impact? You got to embrace the second key of the kingdom. And you got to get God's word in you by hearing it, knowing it, believing it, and applying it. Because when you do, let me tell you, you'll experience true success. Look at what Joshua 1.8 says, and I'll finish with this. It says, keep this book of the law always, where? On your lips. Talk about it. Meditate on it. When? Day and night. night. So that you may be careful to what? Do everything in it. Written in it. Look, Look at how it ends. When we do that, then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. That is the picture of an extraordinary life. That is the key of the kingdom of God that is offered to us to become people of impact by being impacted by the word of God. So church, here it is, okay? Please, I'm done. If you do not have a reading plan, do not let the day end before you get one. Download the Bible app. If you don't own a Bible, buy one. If your Bible is somewhere in your trunk or or maybe in your bookshelf, today before the end of the day, pick it up. Put it on top of your TV remote control and say, before I watch TV, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word. See, most people think that they need to spend five, two, three hours. If you can't, great. But what if you start it with 10, 15 minutes? What if on your ride home, instead of listening to a podcast, you listen to the word of God? What if instead of reading nonsense, you read the word of God? You want to be a person of impact? Jesus gave us the keys to be able to do that. And that's through the word. Would you bow your head with me? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.